following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Good morning. Great to be with you today. My name is Jeff Sackinger. This is my wife, Florence, and uh, we have the honor of leading the church here. Good morning. We want to spend some time this morning talking about the journey. You know, one of the most used phrases to, to describe life is a journey. And it's really probably one of the best because that's, that's really what life is. Mm-hmm. A journey isn't a smooth run. With your journey, there's going to be a lot of starts and stops and ups and downs, there'll be diversions, there'll be detours, mm-hmm. there'll be reroutes. And some people actually do get to the place where they set out for, but many don't. Mm-hmm. They get knocked off course, never to find their way back. They end up someplace where they never thought they'd be, much to their sadness and to God's. Mm-hmm. And my guess would be that your journey has taken a bit of a turn lately, maybe a, a slight detour. Mm-hmm. The nice paved road you were on is now a bumpy service road, or worse. Maybe it's more like a dark tunnel. What you could easily see before, you can no longer see. And what lies ahead is unclear. Your hands are firmly on the wheel with the hope that you're just going to stay on the road. And that at some point soon, you will see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Well, I think as Christians... Although we might very well be in the tunnel, we know the light is there. Mm -hmm. And that if we just stay the course, we'll get to it. But I feel for the many who are in the tunnel right now with no light in sight. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't have to be the case. In fact, I think God is moving right now, allowing people to be in the tunnel with a plan to find that light at the Mm -hmm. end. And once out, to be on a new in different route, a journey according to his plan. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeff is so right. The key is realizing and remembering that the journey is according to his plan, God's plan. And maybe this disruption or interruption in our lives was exactly what was needed in, in all of our journeys. You know, God has been writing our story since the beginning of time. He knows the beginning and the end and all of the in between. He knows how he would like the story to go, the the happy ending. We we all get to be with him. And we all like happy endings. You know, when I watch a movie that doesn't end well, it just bothers me. I so want to rewrite it, complain to the writer, say, no, it can't end that way. You know, God has the perfect plan. That light at the end of the tunnel, knowing God is leading us through, that's what motivates me to keep going. Mm. The light that can also be with us in the tunnel, though. You know, in Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, the word is my lamp. It's my guide. It's, it's, it lights my path so I can go in the right direction. God's direction, not mine. His story, not mine. A light that will never go out, uh, that'll always be there, ready to guide me home to him. But am I or are we extending that light? really sharing the word, opening up the scriptures so others can be guided. Others can be directed to the light of the world, Jesus. And am I being an example? 
Am I letting my light shine bright to illuminate the path, illuminate the truth? We have so many opportunities as disciples of Jesus. We just need to be creative during this time. <clears throat> Through this time, you know, I have seen the power of the word opening hearts and minds that I would have never expected. I have seen miracles. I've seen God's word, his light, help women make decisions more clearly, give them direction and answer, answers to those who were maybe unsure, were uncertain, felt misdirected, even were feeling hopeless. And this has encouraged my soul. You know, Jesus says it best in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. I'm going to read that to you. It says, you are a light of Christ to the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this time, Father. Thank you for giving us uh, this opportunity to be able to be in the Word together, to be able to preach, to be able to share, to be able to uh, to really lift you up, Father, to encourage uh, the saints this morning. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being able to be your children. Be with us here this morning as we talk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we're making a little bit of a change here, if you can turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> I'll do a slight set change and we will be ready to go. Romans chapter 8. And so what I want to do this morning is study a little bit through Romans chapter 8. We're just going to take a small part of it. And as we're going through this, I really want you to open up your mind and open up your heart and broaden your view of Scripture a little bit. Think about how it might really apply to who we are and where we are right now. I think sometimes we can have a, a view of Scripture that's a little bit limited, a little bit narrow, and we miss the, the greater message that God is trying to get us to see. Uh, as part of this journey. And the scripture is a big part of this journey. So <clears throat> we're going to jump right in here in uh, Romans chapter 8. And uh, so we're just going to take this in small segments and work our, our way through a few verses and see what God is trying to say to us. Verse 18, Romans chapter 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. He talks about the glory being revealed in us. What is that? What do you think he means by that? Well, I think it's God shining in us and God shining through us during our most challenging times. And this, this creation, all of God's handiwork, all whom God has made, all the things, all the, all the, the, the living things, all the people that God has made is waiting in eager expectation for us. But when I think about eager expectation, what comes to mind is a sense of urgency. When you're at that point in your life where you know something has to change, something has to happen here. Things can't stay the way they are any longer. And we've all had those moments, right? Maybe you're having one right now. And I think with, with all that's going on around us, our present sufferings, if you will. The creation is desperately looking for hope. The pandemic is bringing the world to its knees 
which is okay. Because maybe that's the position it needs to be in to finally see just who God is. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say that God created this, but I do believe that God will use it to find open hearts. Ecclesiastes 3 says that, that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Well, that means from birth, there's a deep, innate sense of longing that we have to know God. The world does a really good job of squelching and suppressing that. But maybe, just maybe, this is the wake-up call that creation has been waiting for. This is a chance for people to know the hope of that eternity. Well, let's read on in verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as a, in the, the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. There's a lot there. I think God did some pretty amazing things when he, when he created creation. <laughs> Take some time on your own, and, and I think you probably have a little time right now, to maybe read through the creation story in, in Genesis 1 through 3. God created this perfect world, and he created mankind to, to live in that world. But it didn't take too long for them to mess it up. Because of their sin, God now had a fallen world to deal with, much to his heartache. <clears throat> it's kind of like being the, the, the parent of, a, of an out-of-control older teen. Okay, you love them dearly. You want them to do well. But sometimes as a parent, you, you get to the point where you say, okay, you know what? You do what you think you need to do. You do what you want to do. But you're going to have to face the consequences later. And you do that not with the hope that they will fall on their face in failure, but in the hope that they will come to their senses and turn things around. That's the story of the prodigal son, right? You've got the father, you've got the younger son, the younger son comes to the father and says, look, give me my share of the inheritance. Give me what I think is due me, what is owe me. And so the father gives him a certain amount of money and he goes off and the Bible says he squanders it in wild living. You can imagine how sad the father felt. So now take that story and multiply it by billions. That's what God has to deal with. We have a world full of rebellious children. And I don't mean just kids. But in that prodigal son's story, the kid does repent. And he does turn things around. And his relationship with his father is restored. And so I'm going to be a bit overly idealistic here for a moment, so humor me. But I wonder... If this is the time the world repents, or as Paul said, is liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God, which to me sounds a lot, a lot like being brought into the kingdom of God. Liberated from its bondage, brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. 
So what if this is our time as Christians to shine? Not that there would ever be a time to be dull, but what if this is the time where we stand up for what we know to be the answer that everybody is desperately looking for? And what if we find ears actually tuned into what we're saying? The world is in pain at this hour. And what if, with all creation groaning as it is, this is the time for the world to find the light at the end of the tunnel? Don't you want to be part of that? Let's first be sure that, that we know what that means. So in the text here, Paul brings it around to us, which I think is a really good idea. We're going to read on a bit further now and uh, pick this up in verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is what we as Christians have. It's our hope. It's what anchors us, no matter what's happening around us or happening to us. And God gave us the first fruits of his spirit. You know, for a, for a farmer, the first fruits are always the best of the crop. God gave us his best when he gave us salvation through Christ. And we carry that with us while we're here, and that gives us great hope for this life. But there's even a greater hope that lies ahead. One that we don't yet see, but one that we long for. And that's the hope of eternal life. This is the light that we all understand as Christians. That's the light that we travel in. This is the light the world, though, is missing. And is searching for. And is longing for. And is hoping for. And this is the light that, that we bring to the world. We've got a world looking for answers. And we've got a church with answers. The question is, how do we bring them together? Especially now. Well, if this really is God's moment, and if the global corona crisis is a, is a global open door, an invitation for, for his spirit to move and to heal and to save. Then we need to step up and do something. It's a time for strength, not weakness. We don't know how long that door is going to be open for. But we can't let our personal weaknesses stop us. So here's what we do. Pick it up with me in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's very important. We might not know how this is all going to play out. But God does. So we can pray 
for God to give us wisdom and courage, ideas, insight, and the means to realize this, this amazingly great opportunity. Remember, God's will, because it talks about being in accordance with God's will, we read just up a little before this, God's will is that the hope of creation will be liberated. Let's move down a little bit further into verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Church, is it a time for that call to be a little louder now? Because I think there are ears that are ready for that call. Is it a time, church, for that light to be a little brighter now? I believe it is. Because there are people in the tunnel that are looking for a way out. We need to capture this moment in time, this, this unprecedented time in our history, and make it God's. The lives of so many are at stake, not just physically, but spiritually. And we can do something about that. So, what do you say we do it? I want to close out here with Paul's words, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ of Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? We can just keep adding on to that. You could say pandemic. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in, in, in all these, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There are a lot of people on a journey right now. And for them, it feels very bleak. But I believe we have, we have the words. We have the truth. We know what to do. On this journey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's do our best to help people find it. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to know with confidence that there is light at the end of the tunnel. To know, Father, that whatever we go through in this life, we know that you're going to be there on the other end. And that inspires us, it encourages us, it comforts us. But Father, we know at this hour there are many people that do not share that comfort. And they're going through the same life journey that we're on right now. And they're facing the same bumps and detours and reroutes. And they're not feeling the, the optimism that, that we do because we know you, we know your spirit. And Father, we know that just as nothing can separate us from your love, nothing can separate us from Christ. Father, we want so many other people to know that same feeling that no matter what they're going through, there's nothing that will separate them from your love. So Father, empower us, encourage us, strengthen us, inspire us, Father, that as we go through this tunnel, that, that we encourage our friends and neighbors and the people we're in touch with, that there is light on the other side. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this time. We know, God, that you are in control of all things. That brings us great joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week. We'll see everybody a week from today. Thanks. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.